Father in heaven, it is good to rise early and be with friends who love you and want to come and, Father, uh, have their hearts and minds instructed by the truth of your word. Lord, thank you for your word and how it is, uh, just as it testifies, it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, may we uh, be wise and discerning in how we apply, not just understand your word, but apply it to our lives. May we not be foolish, as the Proverbs speak, of the man who, who listens and understands but fails to apply. And Father, I pray that you would create within us a, a heart, a love for other people who are far from you. That we would hear the message of Jonah, Lord. We would not be uh, distracted by today's responsibilities, but we'd give ourselves, Lord, uh, to this hour we have together, that we can learn from you and each other. In Christ's name, amen. Well, good morning to you. I know last night was a little rough, right? But there's always game two, right? Some of you guys are Cardinals fans out there. I don't want to point you out, Todd Wagner. I know you had a good night. Well, we uh, have finished up uh, the book of Joel. And if you remember, the book of Joel was about the day of the Lord. It had three chapters to it. First, it talked about the immediate day of the Lord, then the far day of the Lord, then the ultimate day of the Lord. And, uh, and my hope and my encouragement to you would be is that each one of these, we're going to give you a simple outline. And so for each one of the books, that they wouldn't remain a mystery to you. And then if somebody were to mention it to you, you go, you know, I've studied that at one point, but that you memorize these short outlines. And these key phrases that we give to you so that when someone mentions Joel, you could say, hey, Joel, it's real easy. It's about the day of the Lord. And you could walk them through chapters 1, 2, and 3. The day of the Lord, the immediate day of the Lord, and talk about the locusts, the far day of the Lord, or the future day of the Lord, and talk about the uh, foreign army and the ultimate day of the Lord, that day when God will judge all the nations of the earth. The next book we're going to study, we're going to kick it off uh, this morning, is the book of Jonah. And Jonah, I would say to you, is a book that is probably more misunderstood than any other book. We know just enough to be dangerous because of what we heard growing up in Sunday school, perhaps. And we know, well, it's a story about a big fish, or it's a story about a whale. And that is not what Jonah is about. That is an element to Jonah, but it is not a story about a big fish. That would be equivalent to saying that uh, Seasons of Grey is about a man named Brady Gray who has a series of dreams. Well, that's true. That is an element of the story. But that is not what Seasons of Grey is about. If you don't know what I'm referring to, Seasons of Grey is the movie that uh, some guys here at Watermark helped produce and, and, uh, and, and put on that we just showed in the theaters and uh, it's really what it is. It is the story is a modern day retelling of the story of Joseph. And so if someone were to ask you, hey, what seasons of gray about you? And you were to say, well, it's about a, a boy who has a series of dreams. That, that's an that's an element to the story. But but that's not what the story is about. The story of Jonah is not about a big fish. The story of Jonah is about God's love and mercy for the nations. The story of Jonah is that God so loved the world. That's the story of Jonah and what he planned to do about it. It was written before the exile, which we've talked about. And it, 
and it demonstrates God's compassion on Jonah and the nations, specifically Nineveh, who I'll, I'll tell you who they are in just a second. Now, the image, of course, that you'll walk away with, that you'll think about, is the great fish. In the book of Jonah, you'll see that that little phrase written uh, repeatedly, it will have great fish or great plant. And I just would encourage you, make a note of that. There are many things in here in a great city that uh, Jonah describes as being great. The New Testament, specifically Jesus, refers to Jonah on a couple of occasions. And the key phrase here is, should not I pity Nineveh? Now, when you read the story of Jonah, inevitably, if you were to talk about this with your friends, the question would come up, hey, do you really believe that story? And what I want you to do in your groups today is I've, I'm going to have I've asked a discussion question for you guys to wrestle through that. But my question specifically is this. What is the intent of the author? How does the Bible teach the story of Jonah? Is the intent of Jonah to present this story as parable? Or is the intent of the Bible to present this story as historical. Not just what do you think, because it seems uh, supernatural that a man could survive in the belly of a great fish, but how does the Bible present the story of Jonah? I think if you'll look closely, you'll see that Jonah uh, is described as being a man who lived during the reign of Jeroboam and was a contemporary of Hosea and Amos. The details of Jonah are are written out uh, much like other uh, historical and prophetical books. And specifically, I want you to look and see what did Jesus have to say about the story of Jonah? What was the point that he was making? Because that's central to our understanding of how we should interpret this book. Now, there will be undoubtedly people who will read this and just go, that just seems too fantastic. Too crazy, and so they'll dismiss it as being parable and say, hey, this is a parable that tells us about God's love for the nations and Israel's failure to respond to God's call in their life, to be a, a mission, if you will, to the foreign nations. And so it's just simply dismissed as parable. But my question again is, not does it seem too fantastic for you, but how does the Bible present Jonah? And that's something that you'll wrestle with. Now, the outline of Jonah is pretty simple. It's four chapters. In the first chapter, you see that Jonah runs from God. In the second chapter, Jonah runs to God. In the third chapter, he runs with God. And in the fourth chapter, he runs against God. So again, just as I mentioned with the book of Joel, it's an easy way to memorize it. Jonah, you should be able to walk somebody through the book of Jonah. We've studied, uh, hopefully in preparation for this morning, you've looked at Jonah chapters 1 and 2. And you see in Jonah chapter 1 that Jonah is called by God. And instead of responding in obedience, he runs from God. Right? Look, if you would, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. And we'll read verses 1 through 3. Now, this little chapter... It can be broken up into three parts as well. You see Jonah in the city of Joppa, and then you see Jonah in the boat, and then it closes with Jonah in the sea. 
This is how the, the book opens. Chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amati, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now what's God saying there? He's saying, Jonah, I want you to go, and I want you to preach a message of repentance. I want you to preach to the Ninevites so they can come to know who I am. If you remember what I said in week one, is that God called Israel to be a kingdom of priests, to be his representatives on the earth so all the nations of the earth can come to know him as God blesses the nation of Israel. And God has a love for the nations. And so he calls Jonah specifically to go to the Ninevites. And we see Jonah's response, verse 3. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now we know that it is a, quite a futile effort for us to run from the presence of the Lord, right? But what Jonah decides to do, and to uh, all of his ability, is to run from the call of the Lord in his life. And he runs from God's call. Why? Because God called him to go to Israel's greatest enemies. Called them to go to the city of Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria. Now, the Assyrians were known for their brutality. Literally, that they filleted their enemies. They would burn the skin off the bodies of their enemies. These were a wicked people. And Jonah could not stand the fact that his God could possibly show forgiveness to Israel's greatest enemies. He didn't want God to forgive those that had wronged him and his people. He wanted God to judge them. He was filled with rage and anger. And the very thought that, this, that the God who loved him, that he had a relationship with, could turn and forgive and extend to his enemies the same grace and forgiveness that ex- it was extended to him drove him crazy. You see, this isn't a story about a great fish. It's a story about forgiveness. It's a story about God's love. For all the nations of the earth. It's a story about how we view other people. What God's calling us to do. How we are to respond to those who have wronged us and hurt us. Whether or not we can forgive those around us who have hurt us. And so Jonah runs from the Lord's call in his life because he hates the Assyrians. I know you know the story. And he says this explicitly in chapter 4, verse 2, just a peek ahead. When God does forgive the Ninevites, what's Jonah's response? We'll get there next week. But a peek ahead, looking at verse 2, it says, And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding on steadfast love and relenting from disaster. You see, God ends up showing mercy on the Ninevites. And what's Jonah's response? Not amazing grace. How sweet the sound. His response is, I knew that would be just like you, God. You're forgiving. You're great. You're merciful. Your loving kindness is too good to be true. 
And I knew you were going to do this and forgive my enemies. That's his response. And what's the irony here in, in uh, Jonah chapter 1 is that the sailors, the pagan sailors who don't even have a relationship with the one true God, show more mercy to Jonah than he shows to those around him. It's not a story just about a big fish. It's a story about God's love for the nations. God's love even for those who despise him. And how he continually reaches out. And how we're to play a part. How Israel was to play a part in communicating that gospel message. That message of love and redemption. But yet how our hearts, like Jonah, have grown cold. How we've grown cold to communicating that message. Chapter 2 is broken up into three parts as well. You have two bookends with Jonah's rescue, which actually ends chapter 1, verse 17. Then you have Jonah's prayer, verses 1 through 9. And then finally you have Jonah's deliverance in chapter 2, verse 10. Now the fish uh, is not a, a sign of judgment on Jonah. Instead, it's a means of salvation. The fish rescues Jonah from the great sea. Otherwise, Jonah would be dead. And when we look at verses 1 through 9, we see in, through Jonah's prayer parallels to everyone's story of salvation. Do we not? We see that everyone is in need of rescue, just like Jonah is in need of rescue. Look at chapter 2, verse 2. I called out of my distress to the Lord. I cried out for help from the depth of Sheol. You had come and into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All thy breakers and billows passed over me. In other words, hey, I was left to drown to death. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. Jonah recognized that he was in need of rescue. And he cried to God for help. And the one and only person who was able to save him did. The Lord saved him. And we see that only one is capable of rescuing us, just like Jonah. Jonah in his prayer says, and he answered me. You heard my voice. You brought me up from my life, my life from the pit. Oh, Lord, my God. Salvation is from the Lord. And finally, we see another great pr- principle from Jonah's prayer is that it's never too late. It's never too late to cry out for the Lord. He's always able to respond. Verse 4 says, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. You see what he's saying right there? He said, I knew, I know I have spurned your call in my life. He finds himself out in this great deep water, left by himself. And when we read verse 4, we recognize that he senses, you know, I knew that I was in trouble. But he looked to God's temple for rescue and for help. The temple where God was believed to have dwelt. Verse 7, while I was fainting away, while I was near death, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. 
So in chapter 1, we see that Jonah runs from God. In chapter 2, we see that Jonah runs to God. Because God has allowed him now to find himself caught in the midst of this deep sea. But God rescues him. And he runs to him in a song and a prayer of thanksgiving. And it's our prayer. And it's, it's our story. That left to ourselves, gang, we're going we're gonna to die in a sea of sin and rebellion. But when we cry out to him, he hears our prayer. It's never too late until we draw our last breath. But as long as we have breath, God can forgive. God's willing to forgive. And just as he redeemed the wicked Assyrians, the Ninevites, and just as he had compassion on them, so too does he have compassion on us and desires a relationship with us. So in your groups today... A few of the questions I'd like for you to consider. The first one is this. Do you believe Jonah should be interpreted as history or as parable? And what difference does this make? Does it make a difference? Should it make a difference? The second question, why did Jonah run from the Lord? In what ways do we run from the Lord today? And Describe a time in your life when you ran from the Lord and what lessons you learned from that experience. Number three, what is your Nineveh today? That place where the Lord is calling you to go, but you refuse to follow. Maybe like Jonah, it's it's forgiveness. Maybe your Nineveh is an unwillingness to forgive those who have wronged you. An ex-spouse, a business partner, a client, a friend, a neighbor, a family member. Maybe it's a place of surrender or sacrifice. That place that you're certain God's calling you to go, but you're like, I I just don't even want to go there. It's a subject I don't want to bring up. Is there a Nineveh in your life? Next one, how does our running from the Lord undermine our testimony and impact our witness to others? What do you think the sailors thought of Jonah and his God based on his example? And then finally, I want you to look at the words of Jesus in Matthew 12, 38 through 42. And what point did Jesus make when referring to Jonah? And what did Jonah and Jesus have to teach us about salvation? Your summit leaders have these questions like they'll have each week. All my notes are on the Watermark Radio men's channel. So I want to encourage you to, to go and, and, uh, and print those out. And uh, if this is your first time here uh, at Summit, I would just ask that... Uh, you come down to the front, and we'll meet you here and then get you put into a group. All right. Otherwise, you know where your groups are. Let me pray for you, and I'm going to let you go. Well, Father in heaven, I thank you, Father, for the message of Jonah and the reminder to us of, of your great love and your great compassion. Thank you, Lord, that Jonah teaches us, just as, as he said in chapter 4, that you're a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. Thank you, Father, when we're thrown out and cast at sea because of our own foolish rebellion, you still have mercy on us, and you still send a deliverer to rescue us from that deep. If we'll just call out to you. And thank you, Father, for how chapter 2, Jonah's prayer, really does mirror, um, Father, our story for all those who have trusted in your Son, Jesus. Help us today, Lord, uh, to learn from Jonah's mistakes that we could be messengers of your grace to those around us. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.